This week on the Koshcast. Call him Kike Sanchez Florist because Watford are as easy to walk through as a bunch of flowers. Spurs lose away from home again, this time at the King Power. Phil Jones calls for Solskjaer to be sacked and gets an Ed Woodward glower. Aubameyang saves Emery like the Prince saving Rapunzel from the tower. And Liverpool beat Chelsea in second gear to the extent that they may not have even needed a post-game shower. All this, our befuddled reaction to the FIFA Best Pro Ultimate Marketing 11, and all the rest. Choose forward. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Koshcast on underthekoshblog.com and at under underscore the kosh on Twitter. My name is Alex and I'm joined by the one and only Bernie Uche. Hello, hello. How are you doing, Alex? I'm very well, apart from the FIFA Pro Best 11. How are you? How are you? Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm great because it gives. this is when I do my best work. When I see something so ridiculous, like I start foaming at the mouth with excitement, which is a bit much, but mm. it's how I feel at the moment. Well, you have both this and a, and a terrible United performance this week to foam about. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So that would be a great podcast. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Um, okay, why don't we start there? Oh, I guess we should explain absences. Um, Roche is busy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I went into that sentence thinking that I knew an answer, but I didn't. Um, and then Mohaned is uh, is uh, getting an ultrasound on his knee, which has been injured for like months. Um, it's actually quite sad. Like Mohamed hasn't been able to play football for what since spring ish. Yeah, since since before his wedding, that's for sure. Yeah, and and if if you know anyone knows Mohamed, and if you don't, I'm about to tell you, not playing football like that's for such a long time is, is quite a massive deal. Um, so I hope that ultrasound went well. Roche is actually also injured at, at the moment. He fell off his uh, electric unicycle and uh, and battered up his leg. So. For, for for the record, Alex, I know you're not going to say this. You are also injured, by the that way. You have true. some foot disorder. I'm not really sure. I, <laughs> <laughs> it's called bursitis. Um, and now I've said it, I feel like I have to explain it because it sounds worse than it is. Basically, between your joints, there's like a bag of fluid, right? And it can get inflamed. Um, and that can happen completely randomly. Anyway, so one of them on my foot is inflamed which has made it swell up a bit and makes it a little bit painful to play football, but not really. Okay. So I'm managing it. It's fine. I'm like Koscielny in his latter Arsenal years, just, you know, game to game. Uh, I see. Well, I will say that I am injured as always. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Chronic back I have a, pain. I have a bad back from carrying this podcast over here. <laughs> 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 I mean, but if you're I actually gonna got get a call injured. from my. Uh, I got a call from my physio this morning. To say, uh, are you coming in tomorrow to see the chiropractor? I was like, yes, I am. Yeah. You should have said my back hurts. I can't make it. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. So, what's the chiropractor doing? Like just stretching things, poking things. Uh, what's happening? I, I I really have no idea. It, it okay. might be Manchester United stress induced, and we'll find out tomorrow. Okay, that's a whole different set of uh, set of exercises. All right, <laughs> let's let's start today's stress with the FIFA Pro World Eleven. Um, I'm going to read it out, and then you can react. Does that work for you? Yeah, sure. Or, or we could go section by section. Let's go section by section. So, in goal, Alisson, 
I don't have a problem. Sure. I'm, I'm okay with that. Is there anyone else it could have been? No. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay. Um, right back, and here's where the fun starts, kids. <laughs> right back, Sergio Ramos. <laughs> Firstly, right back. What? Like, you're just trying to fit this guy in. Secondly, yeah. I'm going to say this for the thousandth time. Sergio Ramos cannot defend. He's a wonderful legend of the game of football. He has scored some crazy goals. He's a great captain. But this man cannot defend. And this is my TED Talk. Yeah. And I just want to address Rahul Kalvapale, who's a really good friend of ours. And also, congratulations to Rahul for uh, winning um, Trivia Night last week. Um, under the caution, I think our 10th or 11th Trivia Night. Yeah. Um, but he says... Uh, he has done a ton of last-ditch defending behind the midfielders who don't defend. He does make blunders and lose his head, but his catalog of unplayable big-game performances at the back are matched by very few. I will say this one last time. A good defender doesn't need to be protected by a defensive midfielder. It is important to have one and nice to have, but the mark of a good defender is that when there is no cover, I can still defend i.e. Virgil van Dijk, Rio Ferdinand, Manny Vidic, John Terry, Brazy. Um, we can go on and on and on. But this man is not any of those, and scoring headers is not going to convince me that he can defend. Now that is my TED Talk. <laughs> Fair enough. I have nothing to add to that. Nor do I particularly feel like arguing about Sergio Ramos with you. So I'll move on to the centre-back pairing, one of which we're all going to agree with because it's Virgil van Dijk. And uh, absolutely. And, I mean, frankly, he could have got two spots. That's how good he's been. They could have given the centre-back pairing to him. Uh, but the other one is, uh, is Matthias De Litt. And I, I have a slight feeling you're going to have a slight problem with that too. Uh, yes and no. I, I don't have a problem because if it's based on what happened last season, right? Like, they, like Ajax got to the Champions League semi-final, won the league, um, you know, he had a good individual season. Can he defend? I think he can learn. I don't think he's that great, but you can't knock his accomplishments. Sergio Ramos is on that team and didn't have a single accomplishment at all. So, I, you know, like, I can understand the logic of Delit. I have no problem with that. Is there an issue? Okay, I understand that Ajax did fantastically well to get to the Champions League semifinal, and Delit, captain at 18 years old at the time, uh, you know, led them to it. But it, it really was a collective performance. It wasn't like Barcelona scraping through because Messi's brilliant. Ajax played collective, brilliant football that required everyone in that team to, to be excellent. And they were. De Ligt, though, and that's just the Champions League. And they won the league, yes, but no one takes the Eredivisie seriously in normal conversation. So why are we taking it seriously when it comes to awards? I'm not sure. I, 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 see, I see your point, and it makes a lot of sense. Where I, I mean, I, I do understand the, the gravitas of the Champions League performance. Mm -hmm. um, I, I might say maybe I'm reaching a little bit because I can't think of one on top of my head, but maybe um, Merrick Laporte deserves a shout, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, frankly, if, if Van Dyke deserves a shout and De Ligt deserves a shout, then Joel Matip deserves a shout. I mean, 
you, you can poke holes in this quite easily. Like it's it just Matic was fantastic last season. Also got to a Champions League final, won a Champions League final. You know. Yep. Yep. And nearly I, won the Premier League. I hear you. Yeah, but the Port's a good shot. I, I yeah, I'm glad I came up with it. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Uh, in in more absolutely bemusing news, Marcelo at left back. And before we go on, Marcelo and Ramos, uh, both in a Real Madrid defense that was absolutely horrendous last year. I think, what were they, the eighth best defense in La Liga or something, to put it into context? Luke Shaw was better than Marcelo last year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in, the, in the chubby left back awards. <laughs> like Luke Shaw category. was, I mean, what am I saying? Marcelo was bad. Like he was absolutely, he was terrifyingly bad. And this is a guy who's been, you know, legendary uh, for years, you know, mm-hmm. despite my reservations of, you know, what, but still legendary for years. But last season, absolutely not. This is the, re- his poor form, right, was the exact reason why they bought Fernand Mendy. <laughs> like, if they buy a replacement for you, this, whether that replacement plays or not, if the Nintendo buy that replacement, was because of your poor form. You can't get into the, these awards. Like I, I, I don't really get that, especially when uh, Robertson surely deserves that spot. Sure, Robertson deserves it by a country mile. And and just just as uh, Marcelo's bad form was the reason that they bought Fellow Mendy, uh, the only reason that any of us know who Reguillon is is because Marcelo was trash. Yeah, <laughs> like you know, ridiculous. Um, Robertson, okay. Any other shouts for for left back? It's it's quite hard to think of full backs that did well. I mean, Zinchenko deserves it more than Marcelo does. Oh, Jesus Christ, that's so true. Um, I can't think of another person. I just can't. This this shouldn't be that hard. I mean, Jordi Alba is always always good, but Barcelona uh, weren't great last season. Yeah, I mean. Who was left back for Ajax? <laughs> Tagliafico. <laughs> yeah, sure. Get in and over Marcelo. Okay. I mean, I mean, Danny Rose has turned into an awful left back, but you know, if we're basing it on Champions League runs, then he could get in there too. I mean, maybe Kalafnash can get in here as well. Why not? <laughs> That's, That's where we get everyone we liquidate. That's where we liquidate. <laughs> okay, let's move on to the midfield. We've got, uh, I guess, holding it. Down in the middle, Frankie Dion. <sighs> I, I don't know. It's the same thing as the uh, just rinse and repeat. Same thing. I, I understand it. I don't know if I necessarily agree with it, but I understand it. So okay. yeah, that's that's okay. Here's one that you're not going to understand: Luka Modric. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on. Like, what are we even talking on. about here? Come on. This is. He had one of the worst seasons of, of any Ballon d'Or winner I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, it was easily his worst personal season. He was so bad. I, I just, I, what, what are we doing? Whose news does Florentino Perez have? I don't understand. <laughs> everyone's. He's got everyone's oh nudes. Oh uh, and, and I'm just going to bring up a, a, a formation issue here because you've got De Jong and Modric. Now, the, the last four players are Hazard, Ronaldo, Messi, and Mbappe. So, uh, this is a four-two-four. Uh, these awards always are. <laughs> I feel like four-two-four like, with a centre back at right back, 
uh, a pensioner at left back. You know, it's okay. Let's 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 dissect this attack or whatever you want to call it. You said Eden Hazard, right? Yeah. I laugh in Sadio Mane. That's that's how I feel about Eden Hazard. I also laugh in the second best player at Liverpool, uh, uh, Mo Salah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Either yep. one, take your pick. Yeah. Oh, they both got what twenty plus goals in the league. I mean, Hazard had a good season for him, but I guess they had to pick someone from the Europa League final. That's, that seems to be what's going on there. Uh, okay, then up front, you've got Ronaldo, Messi, and Mbappe. Uh, see, I'm a big Ronaldo fan, as as I think has been made known. And his numbers are actually pretty good for a 34-year-old, like 30 goals or whatever. But, but, and here's where I'm going to shock the world. Over Sadio Mane and or uh, Mo Salah, I'm, uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'd do that, but sure. No. You, you, some there's some marketing thing around this or whatever. Oh, but, for sure. Like it, it's not as grotesque as Marcelo and Ramos who had Modric who had terrible no. seasons, but no. I don't know if I'd do that over Mane and or Salah. No, absolutely not. Uh, Messi and Mbappe, I am fine with. I mean, Mbappe is just like the marketing uh, dream child, and and Messi is Messi, so I mean, whatever. Uh, I'd I'd have Ronaldo over Mbappe if 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 I'm being real, if if it if it were me, based on actually like you know doing things and achievements and whatever else and you know you go Nations League and whatever, then you go Ronaldo, Salah, Mane, Messi. You don't put Mbappe for like how you talked about Eredivisie, right? Yeah. And how yeah. it's a nonsense league. Like you, if if that's a nonsense league. <laughs> the league should not count for anything, considering that this team fell out to Manchester United in the in yeah. the in the quarterfinals of Champions League. There's nothing there, so yeah, I wouldn't have Mbappe over Ronaldo if it's me. But again, like De Jong and uh, what's his name, the I don't oh Delit. I'm not yeah. going to argue full full blown on it. Fair enough. Sterling Sterling does have a mention here. Oh. oh. She is Bernardo, Bernardo Silva deserves. Yeah. Like you yeah. take Modric out and you put Bernardo Silva in there, and uh, who's the other guy that deserves it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, I can drop Ronaldo yeah. for Sterling just just to be different, I guess. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Um. So that's the FIFA Pro 11, and I guess there are a bunch of other rewards too, right? Um. Except for Megan Rapinoe, I really don't care. Okay. I mean, let's just let me let me just run through this a little bit because I think oh, I oh, have them up here. Oh. So, yeah, go on. I was just gonna say a fair play award for Bielsa. Oh my yes. god! <laughs> Let that, the other team score a goal. That one almost. I I was rolling. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> what is that? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if the fair play award has always been an award, but. I, like I presume they didn't just make it up for him, but I'm good with this. Like, like you have to, like, uh, I think uh, it's, I guess it's for an isolated incident, and yeah. and I guess in that context I can understand that. But you you look at Bielsa and you look at Spygate. There's nothing else that I can associate with that man. <laughs> so <laughs> I find it very very difficult to accept. <laughs> uh, yeah, 
Yeah, I understand that. Does does the letting of the opposition score one goal negate the spying every week on your opposition? I don't know, but it's a good question. It probably was a ploy to deflect attention from Spygate, to be honest. So, <laughs> you know, I'm not I'm not here for his games. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, those are the awards. Um, Premier League time. Yep. Let's go. All right. Uh, let's do this day by day. So we'll start on the Saturday. Uh, R.I.P. Watford Football Club. <laughs> this is the dumbest football club in the Premier League. And I am <laughs> very, very ready for them to be relegated. I'm, I'm done. Like, for 8-0. 5-0 after, what, 20 minutes? <laughs> like, what? Yeah. <laughs> this was a disgrace. I mean... It was as if the Watford players were all on Xanax or something. They're just wandering around while City just passed through them. It, it was embarrassing on every level. And what I really love about this is that after last week's game, um, when uh, Watford drew with Arsenal, obviously, um, a lot there were some like box pops of the of the Watford fans outside the stadium being like, "Oh yeah, this is what we needed. We needed Kike Sanchez Torres, a really good defensive manager, to get the defense going." He lost 8-0. 8-0, bro. I mean... Like, no, like, even even if you look at the context of the Arsenal game, you let two goals slip to... I mean, they obviously have a great potent attack, Arsenal does. But Arsenal, as you guys rightly pointed out, didn't really do anything in that game. And you let them have two goals. And then you thought, what, that coming back from 2-0 to 2-2 and should have won that game, that you were going to walk into that to had, I think it was that, and do what? Like, I, I, <laughs> that's why I'm like, so you sacked having Gracia with Arsenal <laughs> and Mad City at the game? Like, like what? <laughs> <laughs> this is a disgrace. I, I actually wish I'd seen... Sanchez Flores interview afterwards because I have no idea what he said, but it must have been incredible. I'm just looking at the, um, you know, the touch map of a team's, you know, where it just shows you little yellow dots where they had their touches in the opposition yeah. half, and you can barely see the green of the pitch. There are so many yellow dots for City. Oh my God, it's like, it was it, just brutal. It was, you know, it's it's you, we obviously have to praise Man City and say, you know what. They are a fantastic team, and, and they tear teams apart. They've scored, uh, I think it was as many goals as United and Arsenal had before uh, both teams played or something like this. Um, as, as, like, they scored as many in one game. Like, and I was like, wow. Like, honestly, you have to give uh, Pep every credit that you can give a manager for that type of thing. However, <laughs> Watford are so bad, like so bad. Uh, it's it's beyond. Like, did you see they started with Delafeo up front? That was that was it for me. Once I saw that, I was like, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> and the one chance he had, he missed. And that was at one nil. Like they were still in the game. Seriously, and 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 honestly, I'm. This game convinced me, just kind of like, like, like you said, that journalists who apparently have inside sources go to the stadiums, watch every game, you know, been doing this for years, know nothing more than us. Like, the headline on The Guardian was, Watford looked like their old selves. Now, Kike Sanchez Floyd is back. <laughs> this was after the Arsenal game. What? <laughs> uh, 
Man, what? I'm just looking at the match report, and you know it's a bad day when it says um, Bernardo Silva headed the fourth, and Nicolas Ontamendi slid in the fifth. <laughs> like, if Bernardo is heading the ball in, that's a problem. If Ontamendi is scoring against you, that's a bigger problem. Oh my god! Oh my god! Like, like this actually, I had PTSD for them watching this game. And um, everyone who does fantasy Premier League is scarred because Aguero only scored one, I think. Yeah. And Sterling didn't even get off the bench. <laughs> I'm so annoyed, man. I'm so annoyed. Uh, I'm anyway. happy. Bernardo was on my team, so good for uh, me. Well done. Oh, let's also just give a quick mention to uh, Kevin De Bruyne. Obviously, we wouldn't care too much if Mahana didn't have an absurd agenda against him. But he was phenomenal. Set up, like, 75% of the goals and then slammed in the eighth himself. Like, if uh, you can call him a cross merchant all you want, he does what works. And mm-hmm. and if we're going to give praise to Liverpool's fullbacks for being wonderful creative forces, we, we can't pick and choose when we're going to do this. And so Kevin De Bruyne, like, is honestly head and shoulders for me, the best midfielder in the Premier League right now. Like, me too. Like, current form, Last year he was injured, missed like what every the whole thing, and he come out guns blazing. Nah, fam, this guy is the best. He's gonna win Player of the Year, and you know I think he sent him midfielders. Again, I'm blanking out because I'm I'm a father now, so old age hits me. But he, honestly, <laughs> he could be the best sentiment midfielder in the world right now. But I, I, I think, I, yeah, I think when he's fit and on form, he absolutely is because he get there's literally nothing he he can't do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he spends a lot of time crossing the ball because clearly he's instructed to. But he's got the through ball, he's got the shot, he's got the tackle, he's got the engine, he's got absolutely everything. Um, he just looks a bit silly because he looks like Tintin. But beyond that, he's he's a pretty much perfect footballer. Um, and now that we've we've hurt Mahana Diaz just enough, we can we can move on. Uh, although I do actually want to touch on um, the uh, at least the commentary that I was listening to when I was watching the City game. Uh, the replay of De Bruyne's goal, the bloke couldn't stop going on about, oh, there's no backlift. I mean, watch it. There's no backlift. He just hits it without any backlift. You look at it again, he's got no backlift on that shot. So we get it. It was, uh, I, 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 you sounded like Harry Redknapp was the one doing the commentary. <laughs> ah, it's terrific drive. But yeah, it was a wonderful goal. Um, he has that in him. Like, I don't know, man. Like, this, this team is, you know, we said last week, I think, that uh, Liverpool were favourites to win the league, and I think that's still true. But Liverpool did concede, I think it was a seven-point lead they had at one point. And considering they did that in December, mm. you, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, if there's a team that can chase, chase you down, it's going to be Man City. So uh, let's, let's hold off on predictions uh, un- until we get there. Absolutely. Um, okay, other games that took place on Saturday. Um, Newcastle nil, Brighton nil should be relegated to the owls of history. No one needs to know anything about that. Everton yep. nil, Sheffield United 2. I'm pleased for Sheffield United for getting a win. Uh, I'm also pleased that we can start going back towards the Marco Silva is a massive, massive fraud angle. We're not, we're not going back towards it. We are there. <laughs> we kind of go, we dip in and out. But yes, very much there. Like he's a he's a massive fraud, and I can't believe Everton 
chased him down for two years or whatever it was and destabilized Watford as a result of this. Or, like, come on, mate. Like, come on. This guy is, is honestly the worst. The worst. I mean, what's and funny is that... <laughs> what's funny, that's two for the day. Uh, what's funny <laughs> is that the ramification of that is that Watford are going to get relegated this season and Everton are going to sack Marco Silva. So he might end up back at Watford. <laughs> and, then, and then the headline will be, Watford are back to their old selves again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They're just on an endless loop of shit. Um, Burnley 2, Norwich 0. Norwich were obviously, obviously going to follow up beating Man City by losing, so that's fine. Um, Burnley haven't won many games this season, so they'll be glad of that. But the other big game that took place Saturday was Leicester 2, Tottenham 1, and VAR uh, was man of the match, I think. Yeah, this game was a problem to me because uh, I think Leicester played well, actually, um, Mm. in in this match. Um, I don't think Spurs played very well. I don't think Spurs have played very well all season. it's been four wins in 15 games for Pochettino. Um, he's got a worse record than Solskjaer this year, which is you would be shocked if considering wow. what's happening there. Yeah, um, really. It's except for the Champions League, which and I was I was having this discussion with a couple of people. Like the Champions League is a fantastic thing, getting to the uh, finals, fantastic. But they were outplayed in the quarterfinals and the semifinals, if we're being mm-hmm. honest here. So they haven't put a string of good performances together in nine months. You know, that's, that's a bit of a problem, and I'm not sure what the solution is there because yeah. it, they, need, they need to figure this out. They've brought some great players, and Indombele didn't make a difference in this game. You, you would have thought that Tillemans and Ndidi were the most sought-after midfielders in the world based on this game. You know, it's, it's, and, it, and James Madison, like... Spurs should do. Spurs and United should do everything they can do to sign this boy. As far as I'm concerned, he's he's an absolutely sensational player, and his goal to finish it off, um, fantastic. But all this being said, it should never have gotten to this point because Spurs, who were trash, deserve to win the game based on the fact that they won the up, then they had a goal ruled offside for, in my opinion, for no reason for two 0 I didn't get that at all. Yeah, I completely agree with everything so far. Um, Leicester were pretty good. Spurs were pretty bad, as you said, as they have been for months now, barring the Crystal Palace game, but it was Crystal Palace. Um, But yeah, I mean, this decision was just mental. It was just absolutely mental. There was nothing in the build-up. You know, obviously these days, when a goal goes in, you have to take a second and be like, oh, wait, there could have been anything that happened in the build-up, which means that we might go to VAR here, which in itself is horrible. But... When they played the replay back, I was like, oh, it's fine. Still a, it's still mm-hmm. going to be a goal. And then all of a sudden, they announced that it was offside when the picture didn't show that. So, I mean, it, we, we've discussed it before, but obviously VAR is enforcing a bad rule. It's not VAR necessarily that is the problem as much as I dislike it anyway. But the offside rule at the moment is completely ridiculous. The offside rule is ridiculous. The handball rule is ridiculous. Um, I'm, I, I, I feel like a broken record here, but I don't understand like what went, what was so bad with VAR in the World Cup that they decided to change it up completely. 
I think for the most part, everyone said it went well, except for the final, maybe. But it all went well. What what caused these people to change this? And and by the way, everyone does VAR differently. Remember the Women's World Cup where they had to retake the penalty, or they I think the penalty had to be retaken or something like this um, because the goalkeeper was like off her line or something. Mm-hmm. But then I think in the Champions League, um, what's his name? Uh, Liverpool goalkeeper Adrian was way off his line and no one said anything so I'm not sure what's what like what are we supposed to expect here and and, and to your point looking at that video he looked so onside mm-hmm. so yeah. are they seeing a different clip than us or are we seeing this like I thought it was supposed to show us the footage that they're looking at you, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the only thing that makes sense but then you also have to wonder like someone at some point has to make the decision to say right this is when the ball has been released, and so that's what we're that's where we're taking it from. And even that is basically an impossible and possibly subjective thing to do. You know, if you're going like frame by frame, how do you decide when the ball? I mean, the whole thing is is kind of mental. It's it's disturbing. And do you? I remember like we were kids and they had that daylight rule. Yes, I thought that was fantastic personally. Like, yeah. Like football, as much as I'm a fan of defending, but it should be in favor of the attacker. Like, I mean, you know, an entertaining play. So there should be daylight in the sense of, like, it should be obvious that he's offside. <laughs> like, if, I should be able to look at that one time and it'd be obvious and we move on. You know, yeah. it's, that's not what this is. And it's a disservice because I agree Leicester was a better team. Mm-hmm. I agree that Leicester, on the course of play, deserved to win. But Two nil down to Spurs team, you're not going to win that game. So I, I, I don't know. It, it, it was unfair. I feel like it was very unfair. Yeah, I, I was going to say. I mean, two nil down to Spurs. At, at this point, you might draw. <laughs> you might come back and draw, given the form that they're in. But I, I'm, anno- I'm annoyed that we have to talk about the decision because it was a good game, and we should talk about what's going on with these two clubs. Um, so let, let's start with Leicester. They're third. They're, they're quite rightly the third best team in the league this this season um what i would say is their goal difference is only three so they're doing this narrowly as we saw on the weekend but they're doing it they are they are they're they're doing it um i thought that they played well against uh chelsea who i mean that's not hard to do but sure mm. i thought that they did um and they came out with a draw there i thought that they played not well against united but i thought they played well against um spurs in this game I just feel like they have a goal-scoring issue. Yes. I think their, their defense is still solid. Their midfield is still solid. And their defense is also – I mean, Soyuncu has done a good job. Mm-hmm. But I, I honestly believe Johnny Evans is the leader of that defense. Oh, um, he's brilliant. And I think he's actually brilliant. He, honestly, fantastic. And, and Didi, of course, to me, is one of the best defensive midfielders in the league in terms Agreed. of screening those guys. So they have that great platform to build off of. But – Vardy's 30 what? I don't even know. Vardy is a runner. He, he's, he's an absolute runner. And I'm not even sure they're creating enough chances for him. So they're relying on, you know, like a wonder goal from Madison. Is that sustainable long-term? I'm Absolutely not entirely not, sure. Madison, uh, Madison is a wonderful player. He's not a goal scorer. This is his first this season. I mean, he shoots a lot. He just doesn't score a lot. Um, yeah. I mean, he scored more in the championship, but then, you know, you've got more time and space, so there you go. Just thinking about Jamie Vardy, has there ever been a player whose attributes 
match the thing that he looks like the most. So like he looks <laughs> like a, a greyhound and plays like a greyhound. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. That is anyway. so true. No, so I, rate, doing, I rate them. Yeah. I just, I, I'm not entirely convinced that this is a sustainable practice. <laughs> no, <laughs> for, no for I would team. agree. I, I think top six is, is achievable if, if they have a really good season, but top four may not. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, just on on the on the Spurs crisis, um, you touched on it uh, a couple of minutes ago. I I think something when you mentioned that like something is wrong here. A lot of the time, you when people talk about squad building and and managers and how long they should stay at a club, we talk about the fact that after a while, either the manager needs to leave or you need to make wholesale changes to the squad because the message gets old, um, etc. Right yeah. now. Spurs have done neither, right? They haven't changed their manager, and obviously because he's done a, a pretty wonderful job for the most part. Um, but they also didn't change their squad. I mean, as you said, they bought three new players this summer, which is wonderful, but two of them are injured. One of them is, isn't match fit. But they still have most of the squad that they've had for the last three, four years. Now, it's not really a surprise to me that things are a bit stale. Like Danny Rose, they've been trying to sell for two years. Aurier, they tried to sell. Uh, Wanyama, they tried to sell. Dyer's been been dead for a couple of years and, and not involved in the squad. They've got a lot of players there that they were willing to to get rid of and weren't able to do so. So the atmosphere there must be weird for a start. And I'm not surprised thinking about that that Pochettino isn't particularly happy because he would have had a vision for what he wanted the squad to be after the summer. And this, this clearly isn't it. Well, I mean, um, last season there was a lot of noise from Pochettino, right? About, and, and, you, and you started to feel that he was unhappy for the first time in, the, I think, five years he'd been there because of you know, no transfers and the whole stadium thing taking its time. And I think a lot of people felt that, all right, they're going to get rid of Alderweireld the they're going to get rid of Ericsson, whoever else, and they're going to bring in Celso and Fernandez and Dombele and this and that and this and the other, and obviously Daniel Rose as well, and they got rid of Trippier. And then mm, no replacement for Trippier. Aldevaro is still here. Uh, Ericsson you couldn't move, and now you're starting him off the bench when really you don't have a better option. Dele Alli is a bit injured, I think, um, from what I remember. And it's just... It, it, I, I'm not. I'm not actually sure it's really happy days there. And like, I, it's not like you know, Jose Mourinho. Everyone like is upset. No. It's not that at all. But it, like you said, it's gone a bit stale. And you don't replace Pochettino. I don't. I don't think you do that. But if you're not going to give him the tools to succeed, it will get worse. <laughs> so they have to figure this out. This is their league position. I think they are. Um, they're fifth at the moment, I think. They're fifth at what point? Uh, yeah. No, they're not fifth. West Ham are fifth. Tottenham are seventh. Oh, okay. Tottenham are seventh. Uh, eight points, yeah. And it's they deserve to be there. <laughs> they're, they're, they can improve, obviously, but that's where they deserve to be. So they, I think oh, they have to be very, very careful. Yeah, I mean, their last five games are a loss, a win, a draw, a loss, and a draw. I mean, they're not, you know. 
So, and that and that's continuation from last season. So nothing much has changed. They've got to be careful. All right, yeah. let's move on. Uh, that was all for the Saturday. On the Sunday, your lot lost to West Ham. Yeah, uh, another team who deserves to be where they are. Um, this this was actually the strangest game I've probably seen since Ferguson left. Not uh, not the worst, the strangest. That's a big shout because you've had some strange shit over the last few years. Oh, we have. But this was strange because nothing made sense. Like, we we can say United were bad, which is true. But we can't say West Ham were good. They were not. <laughs> like, it was, it, was, it was watching this game, the first half looked like, I don't know if you've ever watched much boxing, but if you watch bo- a boxing match where no one wants to punch the other person and they decide it's going to go to points, that's what happened here. And I thought, what am I watching? This is, this is garbage. It was easily one of the worst games I've, I've seen in a long time. And they, like West Ham didn't do a single thing except score two, <laughs> two goals. Yeah. I was so confused. Like, United had more of the ball. I didn't think that was true until I looked at the stats. <laughs> like, like I, I, I don't know what to say. I, I, I don't know. Like, I know for a fact United's attack was trash. Like, we ended up with Jesse Lingard in attack, for goodness sake. Yeah. But I can't, I can't sit here and say defense was bad because West Ham didn't do anything but score, like, two great goals. Like, it's so weird. Like, so weird. I don't know. I was very, very confused. It, it was. I mean, in, in the aftermath of this game, I've seen a lot of quite positive things said about West Ham, uh, which I'm finding quite funny, mostly because, as you said, they didn't really do anything. Um, I like Pellegrini. I think he's done better than most West Ham managers, and they, they, they're a bit more sensible under him than they have been under anyone else. But I don't see them being anything other than a, a slightly above mid-table team at best, and there's a lot of hype. Um, and even Mark Noble got a, got a, a big profile article written about him today, as the you know the English bulldog in the middle of this midfield. Um, so yeah, sorry, let me just let me interject here for for a second, just just to kind of sum this up for you a little bit. Your confusion is my confusion. In it because West Ham won this game. West Ham probably deserve to win this game. But if Juan Mata doesn't miss an open net and Harry Maguire actually can shoot the ball into the net, United get two goals. Like, this, this is why I, I'm, I'm so utterly confused because they were bad, but they still had the better chances in the game and more of the ball. So it's like, yeah. what are you doing? Like, I, I just don't want to, like, <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm going to criticize the manager a little bit. Because why isn't Emmanuel Matic on the pitch? Why? Well, I mean, why? I agree. I, <laughs> I agree that Emmanuel Matic at this point is not a footballer, really, more than he is just a bloke swanning around the field. But you don't really have many options. And this is something I want to get to briefly, which is that the United squad is, is horrendous. Uh, and Mohamed uh, burst onto our, our group thread a couple of weeks ago. I think he must have just been looking at United squad list. and It made him angry because he just came on and was like, guys, what is this? How has it been allowed to happen? And it's true. And uh, this is to the point that uh, United as a club released a statement today 
kind of defending their recruitment process and what they did over the summer, which is a weird thing for a club to do. So A, what is that about? And B, can we talk about Phil Jones singing You're Gonna Get Sacked in the Morning? And Edward yes. Wood telling him to stop. It's 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 banter, it's on the Matic thing. Fred is better than Nemanja Matic. Fred came on for twenty minutes at Leicester and changed the game. Against Astana, who are a pub league team, like Matic was still the worst player on the pitch, and Fred was better than him. And Matic had the nerve to tweet out his own stats from the game as oh, if he did yeah. something. So yes, it's a it's a depleted squad, but Fred is there. That that is something I would say is on manager. Now let's get to this statement, this nonsensical statement. <laughs> the manager said. If we lose and the Herrera, which we've done, we have to replace him. He said, point blank, if we lose Lukaku, we have to replace him. What did the directors go and do? The, and remember, Edward in the statement said, the recruitment is up to the manager and the recruitment team and not senior management. Mandzukic wanted 150K a week. The only person that negotiates contracts is Matt Judge, who's our financial whatever, who sits right under Edward Wood. Official they title. decided that giving Rashford 200k a week, and let's even go one further down, Lingard 150k a week was acceptable, but not giving Mandzukic 150k a week is acceptable to you? Like, this is how you end up with Jesse Lingard as your striker against West Ham, bro. <laughs> yeah. What are we talking about? Like, it makes no sense. I, I can't, man. I can't. Like, they said we need to replace this person. In Herrera, no one showed up. They decided that Bruno Fernandez was Bruno Fernandez wasn't good value for money. And now Sport Witness are trolling me. Like, <laughs> what? Like what? Sorry, I'm just I'm just noting that down because I note down the time at which you bring Bruno Fernandez into each podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's killing me, Alex. It's killing me. Like this is the worst run club, out, out, except for Watford, in the Premier League. <laughs> Like, Pretty like honest to goodness, and 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 I'm ranting, but it's I had this conversation with a bunch of people, and they said, "What's the problem?" And some people said, "Well, social is not for it." I was like, "That's a whole separate thing altogether. You can have that conversation if you want to. That's fine. But the fact of the matter is, should Ed Woodward be making the call about whether or not Solskjaer should a get the job or b should be sacked from the job? No." Ed Woodward should be thrown in a cage. And you get a director of football who comes in, analyzes everything, and goes, nah, mate, you're not it. Or, you know what? I can see what you're doing behind the scenes. You're it. But it should never be Ed Woodward who is enabling, you know, this environment. It should never be that. Yeah. No, I don't disagree. Although, I, what did just pop into my head is that Everton have a director of football. Yeah, but... Apparently, he's been an idiot from the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> 40 million pounds on Alex Iwobi. <laughs> but, well, yeah. I mean, they're stupid. But, like, on this, right, we have to look at um, – I'll look at – we'll get to Arsenal in a little bit, but let's look at Liverpool and Man City. Like, Man City had won, I think, the league and stuff like that, or maybe not. I don't remember exactly when Soriano and uh, Cheeky came in. But there is a direct correlation between Soriano and Chiki coming in and their drastic change in fortune. There is a direct correlation between Liverpool getting Martin Edwards to work with Klopp and us seeing a drastic change. Leicester, they got a new director of football. 
drastic change. Even West Ham, remember Gold and Sullivan? They were doing all that stuff. Now they have a director. And now people are starting to talk about them being a useful team. There is a direct correlation between a good director of football and success. And look at Arsenal. We might say they're a little bit weird. But Tierney, Pepe, who else did you yeah. sign? Ceballos, uh, someone yeah. else. David even Luiz. getting, even getting um, Lacazette and Aubameyang. I don't count David Luiz. Bert Leno. Like, there's <laughs> something there. There's something useful going on there. And for Manchester United to still be at this phase where they're not there, like, it, it, it's amateur hour. And it shows, it really like, getting beat by West Ham. It's amateur. It really is. I mean, for context in the league, you know, United also have eight points. Uh, the collection of teams on eight points is a weird one. It's Spurs, United, Burnley, Sheffield, United, Chelsea, and Crystal Palace. And one point behind them is Southampton and Everton. So the league is, is bizarre right now, and a lot of teams are underperforming. And United but to, certainly... To, Certainly. To add to that eight points thing, Alex, Tottenham don't have a director of football, and nope. that infuriates Pochettino, who has worked under that type of system in the past, because Daniel Levy is the be-all, end-all. It's not working out for him there. Chelsea just got one after years of not having one in a transfer ban season, and they got Peter Cech. What? <laughs> He's not a director of football. He's a man in a hat. Like, are we wondering why these teams are having terrible times? Come on. <laughs> well, they got Petr Cech at the right time because he's got a year to work out what the job is before he actually has <laughs> to do it. Um, so let's let's move on to uh, to Arsenal against Aston Villa. Um, this is mad. This is mad. I mean, there aren't many times where you win a game and you still feel really angry at your manager and want him sacked. And this is. <laughs> <laughs> this was one of them because the first half for Arsenal was an absolute disgrace. And frankly, I saw someone say in reaction to uh, to Real Madrid the other day that Zidane's previous philosophy. Uh, oh yeah, Mahana posted this on the thread. Zidane's previous philosophy in his first stint at Real must have been uh, Ronaldo and Inshallah. And Unai Emery is very quickly moving towards uh, Aubameyang and Inshallah philosophy because Pierre Emerick Aubameyang is the only thing saving Unai Emery right now. Mate, there are two things that saved you in this game. One, Aston Villa are just bollocks. Like <laughs> They had every opportunity to embarrass you on your home turf and missed a bunch of chances and also they took it so easy at one point. It was one nothing, I think and then you got a penalty. I think it was. When Doozy, by the way, man of the match for me, it was 100%. He's, a wonderful, he's a wonderful player. Enjoy, I enjoyed the balance he has when he runs. Like, it, it's absolutely sensational. And it was one of those runs where, like, oh, he's still going. Oh, he's still going. Oh, my God. And then he got um, knocked over in the box. And I think Pepe got the penalty, which Aubameyang gave it to him because you know that guy's confidence was, like, in the South Pole. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> like it was, it was bad. But then they scored right away. Like right away. Like, okay. <laughs> I'm like what? <laughs> I mean, Jack Grealish just picked up the ball, ran past three players, and crossed it. I mean that it can't be that easy. It cannot be that easy against a professional football team. But Arsenal barely looked like one at times. And I know we went down to ten because Maitland Niles got sent off, which seemed a bit harsh to be honest. But. It, Arsenal are just a shambles 
from a, from a tactical and defensive point of view. And, you know, that was, that was something that Unai Emery was supposed to bring to this club and he hasn't. And just on the, on the Pepe penalty for a second, obviously nice of Aubameyang to do it. He's a good friend. He's a wonderful human being. We all absolutely love him. Uh, Pepe's penalty was horrendous. <laughs> like he didn't trust himself to put it in a corner because he's been missing the corners so much. So he just hit it down the middle and hoped. And that is terrifying. The first thing about that day is I'm all sent up the picture of him doing a bicycle kick. I don't know. Attempting a bicycle kick. I, like, I really hope, like, Mo has been, Mohamed has this fear, okay, that Pepe is going to become another Jovino. And mm. <laughs> I, it, it's scary because I, I really like Pepe. Like, like really liked what I saw at Lil, and I was like, no, he's great, he's this, and if I, I'm just scared for Mahane that if he sucks, like I'm really scared for him if that's the case because it won't be pretty at that point. Some players just don't make the step up, you know. It's it's possible. It's some, something <laughs> else that that I found quite depressing slash amusing is that. Arsenal, the Arsenal fan base as a whole has obviously been going mental about Danny Ceballos since his first game, um, and he's a he's a wonderful he's a wonderful player, but he's been a bit found out on the last couple of weeks, or at least he he's had a bit of a dip, and we've gone from people saying, "I can't believe we don't have a a, a buy a, you know a loan to buy clause in there," and how the hell are we going to hold on to him? To maybe Ozo should be starting, and that is that's quite a drop. <laughs> uh, Danny Savas is a, is a really good football player, but yeah, he's got he's got a lot to deal with, and I'm gonna give him a little bit of credit and say that it must be a disaster to play next to Granite Shaka week in week. Oh out. yeah. Well, he got booed when he came off the pitch, or, or rather, when he got substituted, the whole stadium erupted in cheers, which tells you everything you need to know. I was saying this to Rache because Rache asked me who's a who's a, a worse captain, Ashley Young or Granite Xhaka, and it's not even close. It is Granite Xhaka. Like it, it really is. Granite Xhaka gave up the Swiss captaincy to Shakiri for what? Like, I, like. If you're a captain, you don't give up the captaincy to make someone else happy. Like, this is a guy that said Arsenal were scared against Watford. <laughs> like, he looks like the – he looks so scared playing football. Like, I honestly think he's going Terrified. through, like, like, a traumatic experience. Honestly. I think, I think he probably is. And, and the thing is that even if, even if your attitude is right and you say all the right things and you do all the right things, if you're not good at football, you can't really be the captain. And Jack yeah. is not that good at football. He's good yeah. at passing it some of the time. That, that's about it. I mean, here's what Unai Emery had to say about him. Uh, today I changed him because he played 90 minutes on Thursday. I preferred a fresh player. But for me, he is a very important player for us. He has a big commitment here. I'm sure he is going to achieve the best things. We are professional. He is an experienced player. I mean, some of those things are just things that are true. You know, he's an experienced player. Uh, but if you, if you as a manager think he is a very important part of your team, then I, I have a problem with you. I, I, I have a, I have a solution to this. Okay, 
I think, it, yeah, go on. I think, I think next week when Man United and Arsenal play, I actually, I want to see Matic and Xhaka play. <laughs> I want to I see them start. I, I want to see them start because this will bring light. Because it will be the worst midfield battle you've ever seen in your entire life. And what you're going to see is you're going to see two teams that have Gwen Doozy, who's like a wonderful talent. Scott McTominay is decent. But two players who are doing two people's jobs. That's what you're going to yeah. see. Yeah. And it will be so much fun just watching this nonsense <laughs> clown car just roll up. Like, oh, my God. The two of them are going to be like two old boats, you know, during like the Armada floating by each other, trying to sink each other and failing miserably, just shooting cannons into the sea. Just, uh, Thursday it, neither of them should be anywhere near these clubs. Thursday FC. But Arsenal have a good attack. And, and Aubameyang free kick shows that he can do a lot more than, you know... I have an agenda. My agenda is Arsenal fans, as you guys rightfully know. He got Aubameyang got slagged off a lot last year, and Mohamed is now doing like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. You're just making stuff up. Give me a break. Mohamed was the main guy slagging off Aubameyang on our podcast, and I will not stand here and allow a man who I drunkenly called the best striker in the world. <laughs> <laughs> one beer. Had one beer. Get 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 bantered by a bunch of muppets. No chance. No. I. I will do the honourable thing here and, and say that I'm very much involved and that I was slagging him <laughs> off just as much as Mohamed. Um because I do think, and, and he's, he's, he's been better this season as a whole, um, but there are, there are some, some flaws to his game and we saw, we saw that a lot last season in that he's a wonderful goal scorer but generally can't do much else. I haven't seen him take a free kick before. I didn't know that was in his locker. But... Nonetheless, he's been absolutely wonderful this season, and he's certainly on course for uh, for a golden boot if he keeps this up. Okay, and the last the last game of the weekend that we haven't spoken about um, is Chelsea one, Liverpool two. Um, I actually thought Chelsea did better than than I expected. Here, how did you feel? Um, I thought they gave a decent account of themselves. Um. It's a bit of a weird one in that you go, yeah, it's a youthful lineup and yeah, an encouraging performance. But um, I don't know. At the end of the day, I still feel this is Chelsea and it should not be like Liverpool were not even in second year. No, and, that's and true. they won this game, and then that's that's where it would bug me a little bit. You take encouragement from it because you probably say, well, whatever happens this season to Chelsea is a bit of a wash. Fine. But I, I don't usually agree with Jose Mourinho, but he did. There was a quote that he said that, you know, if you're, if you start celebrating losses because of good performance, you know, it's, you're no longer a big team. And I go, yeah, like, I, I, I think I, I agree with that. But oh, I, I can't stop with help to say, but it was an encouraging performance. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, again, I don't really disagree with Mourinho on that either, which is, which is a very odd feeling, I have to say. But <laughs> I don't think Lampard has been anything other than honest about the state that the club are in and the expectations. Um, it's a massive transition season. It's a lot of younger players. 
uh, or unproven players, you know, even when they get their 150,000 pound a week guy like Loftus Cheek back, this is still a player with a ton to prove. They've lost a lot of experience and, and they can't bring anyone in in January to help that. Um, so I, you know, does it mean you're not a big club anymore? No, owned by an oligarch, still a big club. As soon as they can spend money again, they will. Um, but but it's definitely a, a shift in, in attitude. And I think the Chelsea fans seem to have taken that hit quite well, although arguably that's just because it's Lampard. And if it were anyone else, they might be up in arms. I, I, I agree with most of that. I just The only part I disagree in is um, <clears throat> Abramovich has spent less um, in the last couple of years, and yeah. all this stuff about not being allowed into England and not being interested anymore—all these weird things, right? Like, we don't—we don't really know what's true and what's not. Uh, now, I think this is a, a brilliant uh, proving ground um, to just play the youth players. Something I wish yep. that you know United would do: just go screw it, let's just go for it. And even if we finish eighth or ninth or tenth, just you know, players will develop, and maybe down the line. You know, you build something sustainable. I would love for us to do that. And I appreciate that Lampard is going with that. But then again, Tomori, I think, is a good future. Christensen, I don't think, has a future. Emerson Palmieri is rubbish. Um, Jorginho, whatever. Kovacic, no. William, no. Barkley, no. That's why, no. So, like, I look at their bench and I go, Pedro is the only, Pedro and Pulisic are the only people I would bring on to change your game. I would never bring on Basuai. Like it's 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 pretty bad. Um, yeah. But Mount and um, and Abraham properly excite me. Um, so there's that. Then Liverpool, they're such a good team that they beat these guys in third gear. Yeah, they really are. I mean, Trent's free kick was was absolutely sensational. It bugged me on every level how sensational Why? it was. <laughs> like, it was straight off the training pitch. Like, <laughs> that old cliche was exactly that. And it was it was a perfect hit at that. And then the, the defending on the goal um, to let Bobby Firmino in, terrible, terrible defending. Yeah. Um, VAR played a role, sure. Um, uh, yeah, I wasn't oh, quite I sure what was going on with that either. Yeah, that confused. I, I watched it over and over, and I was like, "I'm not like, where am I looking? Like, what am I looking for?" I was, I didn't really understand that. Um, but N'Golo Conte, I forgot about him. Obviously, the best defensive midfielder in the world. Period. Um, and but can score how it serves, and I feel like he only scores those. I don't know if that's true or not. That's how it feels. Like, what a goal that was! And he just wandered uh, back like it didn't mean anything. Wonderful. It was sensational, and I just want to pay a quick tribute to the man.
This is what it's come to. We're just celebrating Golo Kante forgetting about the game. This is the Singing with Lag podcast. Oh, yeah. That's going to be fun when listeners back to that. Seriously. It was probably a terrible idea. Regardless. Golo Conte is sensational, and I absolutely love him. And what a goal. What a goal. I mean, to, to an extent, the Liverpool players just kind of let him go because they were like, oh, it's Conte, don't worry too much. And then he just bent it into the corner. Lovely stuff. But it, was, it was wonderful. But, uh, Alex, I've read something, and it's burning my eyes. Like, just <laughs> to show you how good Liverpool are, right? This is their bench. And... Sorry, hold on. Me prefacing that thing with how good they are doesn't actually explain what I'm trying to say. Mm. Substitute, Milner. Yeah, sure. Uh, Gomez. Okay. Ox. What? Lalana. Huh? Shakiri. Get out. Brewster. Whatever. And a guy called Kelleher. Huh? This is <laughs> not a bench that inspires confidence, but yet the best team in the league. <laughs> like, Isn't... What? Uh, it's really true. Isn't Kelleher the, the young Irish keeper that did that, that had the gifable moment a couple of weeks ago when he like Cruyff turned a striker? I, I, Alex, I don't know who this is. <laughs> okay, never mind. Um, I did, just one of the other guys you mentioned there was Jordan Shakiri. Where the hell did he go? I I don't know. Because he was I, like I don't know. He was a proper part of their squad for a while and he was coming off the bench a lot and he seemed like almost the, the fourth choice after the front three and he's disappeared completely and Origi has taken his place. Well, not having him means I can't say power cube. So <laughs> that's, that, that's really where I'm upset. But I'm, glad oh you, well. I'm glad you've said it. Yeah. <laughs> um, add that to the weekly podcast like I do Bruno Fernandes. Yes, Bruno Fernandes, power cube and uh, Ed Woodward out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but any bingo, I'll call it. Anyway, um, <laughs> that will do, I think, for the Premier League and for this week's pod. Liverpool on top, having won all their games. Incredible yep. stuff. City, obviously, second. Leicester, third. Arsenal, fourth. The table doesn't mean too much right now, apart from, really, that the top two are on a completely different planet to everyone else. Absolutely. Um, no. One Quick thing um, that we're not going to delve into at all, but just to be happy about is um, Toronto FC have clinched a playoff spot. Hooray! They're going to do nothing. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, further updates is warranted. Yep. All right. Thanks, buddy. All right. Take care, Alex. Bye, guys. Thank you for downloading the Koshcast. Get in touch at underthekoshblog at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at under underscore the kosh. And for articles, predictions, and the full experience, go to underthekoshblog.com.